0: Acts chapter 1 and 2, Isaiah 42 and 43, and then Acts chapter 1 and 2, uh, we continue discussing and talking and preaching and praying over uh, uh, the, the future things. We've been talking about preparing for future things. How many of you know if you're not ready for something and it comes along, you may miss it, right? You may miss it. How many of you uh, uh, believe God has something new for you in the future? Amen. Uh, In fact, that's what he told the children of Israel, just a quick review, I'll try not to spend too much time, but the uh, uh, prophet Isaiah, some people call call it the gospel of Isaiah because it's just filled with prophetic insight about the the church and about God's plan for the church and for us and for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity and they'd been there, How, how many years did they stay in Babylonian captivity? Say it out loud. Seventy years. And so God came along, not because they had had a change of heart. The reason they were there was because of disobedience and, 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 and and astraying from the will and the ways and the word of God. And so God shows up and just prophetically begins to speak to them. I'm going to do a new thing. Everybody say new thing. You know, if you look in Isaiah 42, verse 9, he says, behold the Former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So he said, I'm going to prophesy about some new things over your life. Uh, and so so then he says in 43, but, uh, he said, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do, everybody say new thing." He said, uh, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. So we've been talking about gaining some real focus for our future. Focus factors for your future. Uh, and so we've used the word focus uh, as an acrostic to share insights from Isaiah 42 and 43 about what is vitally necessary in our life in order to move into our destiny with, uh, with the will and the ways of God uh, hitting on all eight cylinders in our life. So here we go. The first one, as you see, is the letter F, which stands for faith for your future. Here these children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity now in 70 years. How many of you know if you were 69 years old, there was not a lot of faith operating in your heart other other than if you were Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who even in the middle of Babylonian captivity didn't bow and they didn't burn. They stood strong. And Daniel, the Bible says, continued in the ways of God. So it is possible, but the majority of these children of Israel needed a, a... a shot of faith in their heart. So you see Isaiah 43 and 42 and 43. It's really a shot there where God's given them. I'm, I'm building your faith. Before it happens, I'm going to tell you all about it. Fear not, I've redeemed you. I've called you by, by your name. You are mine. When you walk through the water, you'll not drown. When you go through the fire, you'll not be burned. Uh, there's going to be a river in the desert and, and roadways in the desert. I'm going to transform. So I'm going to do something new in your life. Began to build their faith, and then the letter O, of focus, stood for obedience for today, and so that's the problem. They were not obedient, and he and he corrected them. He he spoke into their life in Isaiah forty three. You didn't obey me. That's what got you here. And what he's saying is, you, if you're going to get from here to there, if you're going to experience the new day, if you're going to experience that that uh, for, from our standpoint, that promised land experience. You're going to have to move to a level of obedience. The Scripture says, "If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. But if you obey, you'll eat the best of the land." Somebody say Amen. You know, we live in East Texas, Southeast Texas. We're close to Louis. How do you say it? Louisiana? Is that how you say it, or is it Louisiana? I don't know how they say it. How does the ca- I bet Shannon can tell me how the Cajuns say it? Louisiana? I don't know. Down by the bayou. It's about to be, if not already, crawfish season. Huh? You'll eat the best of the land. Come on now. So you won't have them little bitty crawfish. You'll have them big, fat cross. I'm just telling you, hey, when you walk into a level of obedience, the blessings of God begin to be made manifest in our life. And that's what we need in this new day, amen. You see, when God does something new, it's never uh, it's not ugly, bad, rude, crude, or socially unfittable. He has his best in mind for you. He had his best in mind for the children of Israel. Their disobedience got them there. Uh, faith for the future, obedience for today, and yesterday. Uh, yesterday, last Sunday, We talked about the necessity to change our tune. Everybody say change your tune. You see, God showed up prophetically and he said, guess I'm going to do something new. Forget about the past. It's over. I'm going to tell you about new things Uh, before they even spring forth. i tell you about them. And the next verse in Isaiah 43 or 42 is this. He says, so sing a new song to the Lord. And we talked about change your tune. You ever told that to your kids? You better change your tune, young man. Has anybody ever told you that? You better change your tune. And listen, that's what he's telling the children of Israel. We talked about that and how we need to sing a new song. I don't know what song you've been singing. Somebody may have been singing a somebody done me wrong song. Or a woe is me with gloom and despair and agony on me. Oh, deep, dark depression. Whatever song you've been singing uh, in, in, in your Babylonian captivity experience, this new day. Uh, and, you know, in this new day, we need to sing a new song. Are you with me? Say amen. And so that's the letter. And, you know, focus, fa- these are focus factors. I told you this early on when we started this. I, I Googled focus factor, and I realized it's a pill you can take. And then there's extra strength. I need a gallon of them. Come on, think about it. Uh, and so uh, this, is, this is the best pill you and I can take. Faith for the future. Obedience for the For today, change in our tune to sing a new song to the Lord. And today, the letter U, as I shared with you last week, stands for unction. Everyone say unction. The unction is really the act, is basically the word means the action of anointing someone with oil. Have me over to the scripture, even the New Testament talks about the anointing of oil. Old Testament, there's an anointing of oil. There's anointing oil. And so there's a lot you can look at there when you think about the anointing. I love what the Scripture says about the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. There's a deliverance capacity from the anointing. And so we look at our life, we look at our future, and we look at the the Word of God, and we realize that we need the anointing of God in our life. And when you study this, you realize it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us all. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. It's the oil of joy for gladness. And you see this in Isaiah, Isaiah 42, it talks about Jesus. Now, notice Jesus, this is a prophecy about Jesus. And I'm going to say this before I read this. Jesus came to planet Earth with a purpose in mind and a reason for being. And you know what he he needed in order to fulfill the destiny of God for his life and to walk into, into the future here on planet Earth? He needed the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 42, he talks about, it's prophecy about Jesus. Behold my servant, the big S, who I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Now, what what that prophecy, it's a prophecy about Jesus. In other words, this new thing, that, that is coming to the earth, really the, the, the ministry of Jesus Christ and the birthing of the church, we'll talk about that in a moment, uh, the Holy Spirit is integrally involved in getting us from point A to point B. Are you with me? Say amen. You even read Isaiah uh, 43, verse 20 and 21. He's talking about a refreshing. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness. Everyone say waters in the wilderness. It's a reference to spiritual refreshing and spiritual empowerment. It's a prophecy about the days we live. It's a prophecy about the day of Pentecost. Hey, let's slip on past Isaiah 42 and 43. Look in Isaiah 44 because he keeps this theme going. Verse 3, For I will pour out water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring spring, and they will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. I'll stop right there. Did you know you were in the Bible? There you were. You didn't even realize it because he said, I want to tell you something about your future. I'm going to show up in the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to pour my spirit out upon your descendants. You say, well, I'm not a Jew. You are. You're The Bible says you're the Israel of God. You're a child of God just like they were. Somebody say amen. There you are in the Bible. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. If you move all the way into Acts 10, I'll just quote it. Here's what it says about Jesus. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit in his life. And here's here's the truth I want you to grab a hold of today. Jesus came and was anointed by the Spirit of God in order and empowered by the Spirit of God, I just read it. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus came in the power of the Holy Spirit in order to empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why He came to anoint us. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, here is what John the Revel—pardon me, John the Baptist. I almost put him as John the. Revelator, but it says about him in John chapter 1, let me show you this, about what what uh, John the Baptist witnessed concerning Jesus in chapter 1 verse 29. He said, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me for he who Uh, For he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. What's he talking about? When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. He said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? Let me let me, let me me say it again. Here's what John the Baptist said. I saw the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus when I baptized him. And let me tell you what God said. This is the one who's then going to turn and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus came to pour out the Spirit of God upon us and the anointing of the Holy... And here's here's another key phrase you need to embrace in your heart. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the unction, if you will, of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for the successful engagement of our future. You know, Jesus said this in John 7... He said, and it was after a feast, it was one of the feasts, I can't remember, the Feast of Tabernacles. They'd been feast. How many of you know the word feast just sounds good? You know, that's more than just a snack. You know, Thanksgiving, come on now. Somebody get in the picture. They're all sitting around going, whoo, yeah, man. And Jesus said in John 7, if anyone's thirsty after all this feasting, come unto me and drink. For out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then the John says, this is what, what he was talking about is the Holy Spirit in your life. So we Jesus came to give us the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the unction of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for the successful engagement of our future. Now, now go to Acts chapter one. If you're in Acts chapter one, say I'm there, preacher. If you're going there, say, I'm getting there, preacher. All right, Acts chapter 1 is the beginning of the history of the age of the church. Okay. And if you hold your place there and just think back about what I, uh, Isaiah 42 says, the Spirit of God, God, Jesus is coming by the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and he's going to begin to minister. He's going to pour out his spirit. Uh, and so now you fast forward into the book of Acts and look what Jesus says about the importance And the priority of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. In verse 4, the resurrected Christ, by the way, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say wait. Wait "Wait for the promise. It's a capital letter P. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For catch this, now he's referencing John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He referenced Jesus and God. But now, here's Jesus, the resurrected Christ, for John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were just wondering about how this is all going to work together. But he said, you just, hey, this is, there's something important happening. Don't leave Jerusalem until you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the unction was vitally necessary. The anointing was vitally necessary for their future. Are you with me? Say Amen. Now, let me make another statement. We need, if, This will help you remember this, and, and it's grammatically correct, by the way. We need a fresh anointment for our future appointment. Say it out loud with me. We need a fresh anointment for our future appointment. See, God has a plan for your life. God has a future for all of us. He has something to unlock and unfold even in 2020, not only the new year, but the new decade. He wants it to spring forth in your life. I'm telling you, somebody here better get excited about the future. God has great plans for your life. He has great plans for your family. He's not here to hurt you or harm you. He's here to help you and make you whole and move you into the day. Hey, it's promised land time. Come on, somebody say amen. But we've, uh, in order to get from here to there, we need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. In order to get the roadway in the wilderness, in order to get the river in the desert, in order to get the promised land kind of blessing in our life, we've got to have the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? And so when you begin to see this all panning out in the book of Acts, you realize, whew, that's what we need. Amen. Now, you say, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit in my life. Listen, all of us need a fresh outpouring in our life. Every day, a new anointing. How many of you know yesterday's anointing may or may not carry into tomorrow's issues and plans and purposes? In fact, if you just fast forward i'll tell you the story in Acts chapter four. How many of you know when the church was born man, everybody's happy uh, nah, nah, I got uh, but everybody's excited, man. People are being born again, but how many of you know when God starts moving, the devil gets upset, and he stirs up persecution in the church, and there was persecution hit the fan and and these leaders were called in on the carpet and and uh, and, and and the religious leaders of the day put pressure on them. And you know what they did? They went right to the place of prayer. And in Acts chapter four, they began to pray. <clears throat> Listen when pressure comes you got to pray And they came together just like they had Prayed a few days or a week or so Or however long ago it was on Pentecost Sunday they prayed with Fervency with one accord and the Bible said and they said this Lord You keep doing what you've been doing We'll keep doing what we've been doing in other words We're not going to stop Progressing forward in the Power of the Holy Spirit but we Need your help and the Bible Says this it says this In verse 31 and when the they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Woo! Somebody say Amen. You know what they got? They got some fresh oil for their new day. They got some fresh anointing. They got a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God in their life. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know if you've ever experienced the oil of the Spirit of God come upon your being and you'd be baptized in and filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. These people's lives were radically transformed because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their life. Amen. Psalm 92, David said this. You can write this down and look it up later. Psalm 92, 10. He said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. Somebody say fresh oil. Whew, we need some fresh oil. Look around. Just look around a little bit. Look some people around and say, hey, we could all use a little fresh oil. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, come on now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Shelly, doesn't he need a little fresh oil in his life? (laughs) Amen. Eugene, you need some fresh oil in your life. Man, we're in the right place to receive. In fact, today at the close of this service, I'm going to encourage you just to position yourself at a place of receptivity to the fresh anointing of God in your life. We need fresh oil. Now, here you go. Here's what you need to realize. How many of you know God had a plan for, for the church to be born? And so here it is, they're waiting for the promise of the father. He said, don't leave. And in Acts chapter 2, it says this about that they had been praying and they were in one accord when the day of Pentecost had fully come, verse 1 chapter 2, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat on each of them and they were all filled, come on now, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm telling you, boom, the church was born. And they moved out of that upper room, out into the marketplace, if you will. And in verse 14, under the inspiration and the unction of the Holy Ghost, Peter gets up. He's the one who had denied the Lord, who had had blown it in his early walk with God. And God had mercy upon him, filled him with the Holy Ghost. He preaches the first Pentecostal church message. And thousands of people are born again. And the church is launched, pardon me, launched into the purpose and plan of God. And the church began to progress because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's no different for you and me. How many of you know you can't get in to anything on somebody else's anointing? You need fresh oil. You go back to Isaiah, yesterday's yesterday. How many of you thank God for all the good things he's done for you yesterday? How many of you thank God he's got some things for you today? But we've got to come to the place where we realize, hey, he's got some things for me tomorrow. There's some new things that he wants to spring forth in our life. And we need an unction from God. We need unction to function. Are you with me? We used to sing that, and I'm not going to sing it. Give me unction in my gumption. Let me function, function, function. We were desperate for rhyming songs. Amen. And so, I want to to give you some thoughts now in Acts chapter 1 and 2 that you and I need to embrace in order to receive this fresh anointing in our life. If you're with me, here we go. Are you with me? The church is born, Acts 1 and 2. And you know what they knew about their future? They knew something supernatural has happened because it had been prophesied to them. They had been promised prophetically this anointing from the Spirit of God would come upon them. They were leaning into the promises of God. You go back to Acts 42 and 43. These children of Israel, what God was trying to encourage them to do in Babylonian captivity was to lean into the promise, the prophetic promise of God and began to trust That God had something great for them. Even though before you see it, I'm going to tell you about it, he said. Let me tell you about your future. And he told these disciples, he promised them. In fact, Acts 1, we just read it, Acts 1 verse 4 He he said, uh, you've heard. He commanded them to depart, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, if you go back to John 14, you don't need to go there. What does Jesus promise? He's telling them, I'm about to go to heaven. They didn't quite get that. They didn't really want that. In fact, when you read Acts chapter 1, they're still thinking earthly kingdom. Now we've got resurrected Christ, and now he's back, so we're setting up earthly kingdom. He said, no, I'm going to heaven, and you're going to take charge here. You're going to be the church. And they said, no, we don't want you to go. He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Read John 14, 15, and 16. He'll tell you all about what the Holy Spirit was going to do. And they were beginning to slowly catch it. And there, when the resurrected Christ came along, did you know he spent 40 days with them, teaching them things pertaining to the kingdom of God? He was getting them ready. And they had the promise of God. And so when Peter gets up and preaches, come on, this is important. When Peter gets up and preaches in, in Pentecost, uh, what had happened, everybody said, these people have been sipping back on too much of grandpa's occult medicine or something. They're all drunk. They're speaking in all different languages. They're, they're rejoicing. We hear them singing and praising everybody in a different language. Man, this is, they're, they are drunk. And Peter gets up in his first statement and says, we're not drunk as you suppose. We're just filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, let me tell you, and he quotes Joel who says concerning that this day. He said, but it shall come to pass in the last days. In other words, he's going back to prophecy. You see, they were leaning in to the word of the Lord about their future. And they realized this is that. Somebody say, this is that. You say, that's what he's saying. He said, Joel said this, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. Ooh, go back to Isaiah 42 and 43. He said, you know what? This, it, we're going to bring some justice for the Gentiles. It's not just the Jews anymore. All the Gentiles say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> He said, He said, it'll come upon, it'll pour out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and my maid servants, all the maid servants and matron servants, if that's say amen. He said, On all of them, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. Come on now. So here's this first century church. They, they'd been, they were preparing. They'd been hearing the words of God. They'd been, been reading the promises of the Old Testament. And they, they leaned into the promise of God over their life. And then Peter, when he finishes off his message, uh, people are, are ready to receive. He said, let me tell you something. Verse 39 For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. What's he saying is, this promise is still valid for you who are hearing the word of God. Fast forward however many thousand years from Pentecost Sunday there when the church is born. All the way up to this present moment at Church on the Rock North. The promise of the power of the Holy Spirit is available for us right now. Somebody say right now. Woo! And so we've got to embrace the promise. I've heard people, you know, over the years when 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 this kind of preaching takes place they say, Oh preacher, I prayed for it and it just didn't happen. I guess it not the Lord's will for me. I didn't feel nothing. Everybody's kind of giggling. Maybe that's you this morning. we got to embrace the problem. This is for me. Yes. All that God has... And let me just cut to a little bit of the chase. You know, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak another language in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Some people say, Well do I have to speak in tongues? The big thing is not what do I have to do, it's what does God want to give me. God wants to give me all that He has. Okay, he's, he 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 poured it out. How many of you know when he poured out the Holy Spirit, he just didn't say, okay, okay, Patsy, here's a little drop for you. You you don't you use it or or, or or lose it. Okay, uh, all right, here we go. You know, here's a little drop for you, a little mercy drops. For, no, he poured it out. Somebody say poured it out. Man, when he poured it out, he poured it out. He poured it out all. And so we got to embrace the promise that, hey, he's got way more for me than I'm walking in right now. And let me just say, whatever we got now, we need way more than we got right now to go where God wants us to go tomorrow. If you think you got enough to get wherever God wants you to go, you are sadly mistaken. I'm sadly mistaken. We need a fresh anointing from God. We need to get a hold of the promise of God. Say, God, I thank you that you're going to empower me for my future. Pour it out on me, God. Woo. I went to preaching from my stool again. I get up. So they were prepared. They were, they were promised prophetically. And then number two, they were prepared systematically. Somebody say systematically. You know, let me tell you something. God, hey, you go back to the beginning of Genesis and we will. You go back to Genesis. You walk it all. How many of you know the Old Testament is really, it, it's the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It's a great big promise from God. And the systematic plan of God moved forward. It wasn't rock, paper, scissors. It was God's system and His plan. And He took this first century church. He took these ragtag disciples who didn't, didn't have a clue. They were, they were the weak things of the world that God chose to confound the wise, and he systematically put the prophetic plan of God in place, and he prepared them for that moment. You need to think about that, that whatever you've been through, some of it good, some of it not so bad, some of it great. You know what? God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan, and he has, a, he has a, a, something to unfold for you. And in fact, if you go back to Acts 1 3, the resurrected Christ spent 40 days with them, I said. And he said, speaking to things to them pertaining to the kingdom of God. Man, what a seminar! Special guest, the resurrected Christ. Invitation only. And you're invited. You can go back to the beginning of the disciples and how they were just lowly fishermen, many of them. Jesus interacted with them, Matthew 4, verse 18 and 19. And he told Peter and the gang, these fishermen, he said, you know what, if you'll just follow me, I'll make you into something. You may feel like you're a nobody, but I'm going to make you into somebody. I'm going to make you not into fishers of fish, but fishers of men, people of influence, people of. And so God had a plan, and, and he prepared them for this day. Listen, let me just tell you, there's a lot of things that we need to just say, God, ready me for whatever you have for me. I think of Peter. He's my, one of my biggest heroes in Scripture, just an old cussing fisherman. Denied the Lord. Then he got honest with the resurrected Christ and said, uh, I don't know if I love you the way I need to love you to do what you have for me to do. And Jesus said, okay, I'll take your honesty right there. Just feed my sheep and go to Jerusalem and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. Don't miss out on what I have for you. So the church was promised prophetically this outpouring. They were prepared systematically. You know what? God's got things to work in us so he can work through us. Let me ask you this. Anybody ever had surgery? Had surgery? I have never had actual surgery. I had an arteriogram. You don't want me to describe that little procedure. You know what? I've seen. Is it the Geico commercial where the, the just the OK surgeon came in the room? How many of you don't want just the OK guy? You want somebody who has been prepared for this moment, who well, has all the confidence in the world to say, "Hey, I'm going to do this for you, and everything's going to be all right." That's what God wants to do in all of us spiritually. Prepare us for what he has for us. So the church was promised prophetically. They were prepared systematically. And then the outpouring outpour, came upon them. But even before that, they were prepared systematically. They were also positioned correctly. Now, this is important. I want to spend a little time here. Let me see how much time I got. Oh, I better hurry. Okay, here we go. They were positioned correctly. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he said, he said this. Uh, he said, don't leave don't depart Jerusalem. In other words, stay right where you are. You're in the right position. Now, let me expand on this. Number one, they were positioned correctly geographically. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Now, without going into big detail, how many of you in Jerusalem has huge prophetic uh, place in, in, in the earth? And both past, present, and future. Hey, what, what's going to happen in Jerusalem when Jesus comes back? Come on now. How many of you know he's coming back to that place? He left from that place. He's coming back to that place. And he's telling them, and they, they he said, don't leave here. There's something prophetically important about it. You can't just be going off wherever you want to go if, and, and be wherever you want to be and expect God to just do what he's going to do in your life. you got to be positioned correctly in, in, in the geography. you got to be where God wants you. How many of you know? That's so important. You know what people do with their life? They just go here, go there without any inclination about where does God want me to do? Where does God want me to be? Are you with me? Even about church. Did you know today in our culture in America today, church attendance and faithfulness is is at an all-time low? Across the board, now I know there's spots where it, it doesn't show up, but did you know mega churches who you look at them on a Sunday morning and you think, ooh, man, did you know they're scrambling today trying to figure out how to keep this Boat afloat. How to keep this these bills paid? See, it's just different. It's just different numbers, but it's all the same issue because there there is a there is a a, a distraction, uh, the attraction of distraction away from places that God wants us to be. Paul said this. You know, I'm a, I'm preaching to the choir here, but maybe it'll. Somebody out there, God. Paul said this to the Ephesians, you belong in God's family with every other Christian. In other words, everybody needs to be plugged into the local church. We need to be, we need to be positioned correctly geographically. And that's the way they were. Don't leave Jerusalem. And then number two, uh, they were positioned correctly in an attitude of obedience. They they were obediently staying, right, where God wanted them to stay. In fact, it says this in Acts 1. These two words are big. It says that, how many of you know, they didn't live in Jerusalem, most all of them. They had come from different places uh, for for Pentecost. And it says this in Acts chapter 1. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Everyone say staying. And, And that word is not about three nights in the Hilton. Well, we're just staying at the Hilton for a few days. We're staying at the Holiday Inn down the street. That's not the word. They had moved in, and this word is, this is where we are abiding. This is where we are staying until God says, move. We are, we're not, this is where we're abiding. And then it says in verse 14, another big word, and these all continued. It means persevered, stayed the course, didn't get off track. They were obediently walking in the will of God for their life. Geographically, obediently, and number three they were positioned correctly, relationally. These are all important to receiving all that God has for you, to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know if God wants you to be in Beaumont on Sunday morning at Church on the Rock North, because He has an appointment with you, and and you are uh, down the beach hanging out with other folks that should be in church, just, <laughs> you're gonna miss what God has for you in Beaumont. So, geographically, obediently, and relationally, Acts one fourteen says this. These all continued with one accord. Someone say with one accord, man, they are in they're they're synced up with one another. They're not all, you know, what you do. Hey, how many of you know if they're all abiding in the upper room together, the opportunity for conflict abounds? I'm going to tell you, I love my family. I love my grandkids. I love, how many of you know you put them all in one house? The opportunity, isn't it, Stacey? It's fun. We just have all that fun we can stand sometimes. And But but the reality is here they all are. And they said, but we're not leaving. So how you get around that? You just keep praying and you keep saying, you know what? We're in this thing together. We're better together. Somebody say we're better together. It's not me, myself, and I. It's not the Lone Ranger mindset. We're, we're better together. We're the family of faith. We're the body of Christ. And it says in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost with one, one accord, they were with one, they were had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. I'm telling you something. If you want the Holy Ghost in your life, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, a a, a singularity of thought has got to come. I am better together with the family of faith. I'm not an independent rebel, an uh, uh, an autonomous mindset. I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm a part of the family of faith. God has a plan for me. And the best place I can find for God to, find the plan for me is being the plan of god for my life and that's being the middle of a people who who have a like mind a like heart and i've got hey i'm not gonna let the devil get in the way i'm not gonna get offended i'm not gonna get upset you know there's people get so offended so easy they've been in four or five churches i know some of them personally they've come through here and believe it or not i must have offended them Now some of my Facebook friends, they're on their third or fourth church (laughs) trying to find somebody who they can be offensive towards but won't get offended at them. We got to get our act together and realize We're better together. They were positioned geographically, rightly, obediently, relationally, and then governmentally. Now, let me explain that. uh, This has kind of always been interesting to me because it seems that it's just kind of out of play. It doesn't really, but it says a whole lot. So here they are. They're praying in one accord, and Peter gets up and says, we got to fix something here. There's some things governmentally out of order. You remember Judas? We gotta replace him. We gotta get our we gotta get our our structure in order. We gotta get our governmental structure in order. We gotta get the delegated authorities where they need to be. And they get that all together just before Pentecost. Let me just say it this way. The best place to find the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is when you're submitted to God and the people of God. What did he say? He spent forty days speaking to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. And if you backtrack to his one of his first his first recorded message, Matthew six, he said, "This is how you pray. They got this one, I think." Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Get this down, folks. There's a submission to the authority of God in our life that all of us must bow to. I'm not talking about bowing to people. I'm talking about bowing to God and respecting authority and finding the authority of God in your life and the boundaries of, 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 how many of you know boundaries are good for you? How many of you? If there were no boundaries on the roadways, it would just be traumatized. It'd just be oh, if there were no center stripe. Oh, Jesus, help us! If it was just hey, that's the way a lot of people spend their life. I just feel led to get over here in this lane a little bit. Oh, I feel led because there's no boundaries in my life. I can do whatever I want to do. Boom! No, you can't. So God said, "Let me tell you about the bound." government and authority in our life. Somebody say amen. And then finally, they were positioned correctly, not only geographically, obediently, relationally, and governmentally, but chronologically. Tick-tock, tick-tock. There is a timing. And if I had time, I'd tell you about this, this, this prophetic. It was the day of Pentecost fully come. Everybody say Pentecost. And I'm not an Old Testament scholar, y'all know that. I'm not an Old Testament scholar. But Pentecost basically is a celebration of first fruits harvest. And it has all kinds of other added insights and meanings. But here, God had a plan when he set that up. How many of you know Pentecost was not really <laughs> that the Jews thought it was all about them. Oh, these are feasts that we had, But it was just a type and a shadow for Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Somebody say fully come. That was the time. That was the place. God says, I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do in the earth. I'm about to unleash a first fruits harvest by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I think I'll do it on... Pentecost of first fruits harvest day when we're all celebrating the harvest of, 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 of whatever we've grown. I'm gonna show you what harvest is all about. And what I've been dreaming up and planning for. It's the harvest of souls. There's a time. He said, y'all just wait. Fortunately, he told them not many days from now. In Acts chapter 1, he said, you just hang on. It's not going to be forever, but but there's a time. There's some things that have to line up. Listen, there's some things. How many of you know when you think nothing's going on, something's going on? Things are aligning. Amen. So they were promised prophetically, the church. They were prepared systematically. They were positioned correctly. Number four, they prayed persistently. That's a huge part of receiving the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They were all with one accord uh, in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Everybody's there. Jesus' family's there. Everybody's there. We're praying persistently. Listen, you can't just, uh, just sit around on your spiritual laurels and not seek God and expect the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then number five, when all of those things began to click, the promises of God, the preparation of God, they began to properly position themselves geographically, obediently, relationally, governmentally, chronologically, and they prayed persistently. They were empowered supernaturally. And it wasn't just for that day. He said, in fact, Jesus said, before it ever happened, go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. And he said, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not if, everybody say, not if, but when. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They were empowered supernaturally. Now, four things that began to happen. It just began began to pop. Listen, Listen, when you get the outpouring of... When you get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, on your life, when you begin to get some anointing going in your life, when, when the oil starts flowing, when the river starts flowing, when you start drinking in of the Spirit of God in your life, things start happening. the first thing happened, they began, they were praising. They praised God. These people they began to hear them praise the Lord in their own language. It says, verse 11, the Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own languages the wonderful works of God. Listen, the, the praise of God began to arise. Well, I could turn this into part two next Sunday, but I won't. The praise of God began to arise, and it created a spiritual atmosphere, and a stir in the air, and curiosity. Man, it was like, whoo, man, when you get the Holy Ghost, it's praising. It. Hey, that's what is naturally relie- They praised, and then, then they preached. That's how a good church outline to me. They praised, and they preached the Word of God. Man, go back and read Peter's message. Man, he preaches the gospel. That's what gets people born again. The gospel. And he didn't pull any punches. He preached the gospel. And they said, what do we need to be?" do to be saved. And number three, after they praised and they preached, all because they had been anointing with the power of the Holy Spirit, they began to produce. They produced a harvest. Verse uh, four, uh, 41, chapter 2, it says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then here comes the last one, they progress. That's what it's all that we're talking about. We're talking about our future. They move forward. Listen and the Holy Ghost will move you forward. It'll cause you to put a new song in your mouth. It'll put the Word of God anointed in your life. It'll bring you to a place where harvest and product begins to be realized. God's plan begins to unfold, and the Holy Spirit will move you forward. You will begin to progress, it says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, there's that thing again, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And the church was born. And if you go all the way to the end of Acts, you know how much time that was? One little 40-year generation. There's something about the book of Acts you need to look. There's no amen at the end. It ain't over. It's still going on. And here we are. It all applies. So today... We need unction. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for the successful engagement of your future and our future together. So with that in mind, let's stand. Let's pray. Let's believe. Let's get in our position. Let's get in our position. Lord, today, we trust you for our future. We trust you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, we believe, even as you spoke prophetically in Isaiah, that the past is the past, and we have new things that you want to spring forth in our lives. And in this world that we live in, in this church, Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. So today we come, and Lord, in a little microscopic way compared to that first century church, Lord, in this moment we ask you if we're out of position to get us back, Lord, we want to reposition our world where we can be where you want us to be and receive all that you have for us to receive and to give all that you have for us to give and to experience all that you have for us to experience in the days before. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. If you're here today, you can say, Pastor, I need some fresh oil for a new day. I'm feeling lacking in my life. If that's you, just lift your hand where are you are. I need fresh oil, Jesus. All over this room, fill us, oh God, with your fresh oil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just do this. I know the hour is late. You can say, Pastor, that's what I desire. I want to agree together. And in some micro. micro microscopic way compared to that first day of Pentecost I want to gather in this altar with people of like mind and I want to be in one accord and one mind just for this prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit come quickly to this altar just gather up here I'm not trying to manipulate anybody, but if you lifted your hand, come on, gather with me. I got my hands up. I want fresh oil for this day. I need a fresh anointing in my life. Lord, I need your outpouring. Just lift it up. We're in one accord. If you're here today and that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I want a fresh anointing in my life. Lord, I need your power in my life. Lord, not just for me, but for my family. Not just for my family, but for our descendants and future generations. Lord, pour out your Spirit on us, Lord. God, show yourself mighty in our midst, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I receive today all that you have for me. Lord, in this hour, in this day, in this season, (coughs) Lord, this church, We come today, and as we look to our future, Lord, focusing on our future, we have faith for our future. Lord, we want to be obedient for today. Lord, we want to change the tune, change our song, Lord God. And Father, we need the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost. So we, Lord, ask You... Pour your Spirit on us, O God. Lord, release us today into a new anointing for our life. We receive it. And Lord, though we know it's not a feeling, Lord, we also know, Lord God, that when you show up and touch us, things change. So, Lord, we thank you for that right now. Oh, Rabbah, we stir up the Spirit of God in our own life. Lord, pour it out on us, Lord. Pour it out on us, Lord. Pour it out on us, Lord. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for your glory and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I know you're thinking of your own life, but just reach over and touch somebody's shoulder, or somebody to say, "Lord, pour out upon them all that you have for them." Lord, pour out upon my brothers and sisters today. Let the church arise and move forward today because of the fresh anointing of God in our life. Hallelujah! In Jesus' name, and just finally, as before we go. Uh, If you're here today And you've never given your life to Christ You don't know for sure Whether or not Jesus is the Lord And the leader of your life And you feel lost and without Him And today you want to know for sure That Jesus lives in your heart Lift your hand and wave it at me And I'm going to pray for you Anybody here Just say, Pastor, I need to know for sure That Jesus lives in my heart Anybody Let's just pray together In faith If there's someone here that's lost We're all going to pray together Let's pray together Lord Jesus Want everybody out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for paying for my sin with your own blood. I believe you died for me and you rose again so I could have a new life too. I invite you into my heart to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I yield my future to you and I thank you today that from this day forward, you're going to empower me with the Holy Spirit to live the life you have for me to live. I thank you for the promise of heaven. I receive you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord of glory who baptizes us all, empowers us all with the Holy Ghost. Woo, I receive it today.